Welcome to Joker Men, podcast about Bob Dylan. And today is a special uh, installment because it's the very first time we've ever had an outsider, a guest. An honorary Joker man. One of the best. Michael Diodario of the Lemon Twigs, everyone. Hello. (laughs) Michael is uh, one half of the Lemon Twigs, a famous rock and roll group. What what more is there to say? Hugely influential Long Island Sound band, uh, the the true Long Island Sound, and uh, we're honored to have him on as as our first guest to discuss an album that's meaningful to him. Marginally, the Planet Waves <laughs> album, an album that means so much <laughs> to Michael. Really, the reason we're all here talking about Bob, this this single record. A record that really, I can't say Michael would be here without. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, actually, we uh, we both, um, we covered uh, one of these songs at uh, my show that time. Remember, Evan? Yeah, uh, the Michael D'Addario Trio. Yeah, and that was probably the last time that I listened to that album. Which song did we play? Uh, on a night like this, of course. How? Yes, that's so true. I and remember. I had the harmonica, but I never played it before, really, and I didn't do the harmonica very, very well. But the I did the drums. Oh, good. We played it well. Yeah, I, I'd love to find like a recording of that somewhere. I think it's on YouTube. Oh, well. Cool. I think the whole show is on YouTube. We, maybe we'll include that as a little link um, with this episode. Um, where to begin on planet waves uh wh- why do you why do you like this record michael what's wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> um i don't know uh you asked me what album i wanted to do and i'm not really uh well you had done a few already which ones have you done already all of the ones before this oh. starting with John Wesley Harding. John Wesley Harding and this one are my favorite. Because uh, I'm just a casual Dylan listener. And the, the, them and Desire are my favorite ones. But I mean, I think both of them more than Planet Waves. All right. <laughs> Thanks for leaving with that. But, but I like, I don't know, I just like Planet Waves. It's kind of relaxing. It's good. Very natural. Yeah, casual is a good word for this one. I mean, you said you're a casual fan, and I think that this is sort of uh, one of the most casual Dylan records, like that you can just pop on your your stereo. What do you think, Ian? About what? What's your like? What's your experience with this record, your initial impressions going into it? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a very laid back, chill sound. Um, doesn't It's not very demanding. Uh, there's not really a whole, it, 
it's not a challenging record to listen to necessarily the way that uh like desire like michael said like is a very exciting record but like you know just sitting in to listen to hurricane for instance takes a lot of takes a lot out of you um and uh and this one you can just kind of throw on and let it uh let it let it groove and you know it is it is what it is uh it's it's uh it's not pretentious not that anything bob does is pretentious necessarily but it doesn't it's not trying to be anything more than it is. It's it's very like low stakes. I would say is a good way to describe yeah. it. Yeah, um, and that's communicated, I think, pretty clearly off the off the top, just by the cover, looking the way it does. Um, one of the great covers, I gotta say. This one, as much as I dislike the self portrait one, which actually I've come to like a little bit. Uh, this one. In instant the, classic. The micro subgenre of Dylan record covers that look like they were made by a five-year-old. Uh, it's one of the best. One of the. <laughs> it's at least Out of second the... best of the two that look that way. Um, I maybe first best. Moon Moon Glow. Yeah. What else did it say? It says cast iron songs and cast on, torch. Cast iron songs and torch torch ballads. So put on your space helmets uh, because we're about to visit Planet Waves. <laughs> um, the science fiction album by Bob Dylan. Um, the first song is uh, right off the top. Uh, I think it's, it's my favorite. On a Night Like This. Do you play a little bit of it? No, we can't play. No, thing. no, we can't play any of this right, music. Right, right, right. <laughs> I don't think we're allowed to. I, are I don't we? even know why I asked that because I knew that. I, are we allowed to? I mean, do you think we could? One of those things that one of these you know, days, like you kind of ask, is like a like to to be like I don't know if it was to be rude or what. It was. <laughs> you, you're just you're just being um, you're being rude. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's the one like, consistent critique that I've gotten from people who've listened to the show is um, I really wish you could put some music things. on there. And I just say, uh, no, you can't do that. <laughs> so, you just have to. And which is is pretty brutal because it's like, yeah, no, I'm sorry to disappoint you. You actually all you have to listen to is us talking about this. The, that's just why don't they just the play? The why don't they just play the song if they want to? I mean, can you just can you just pause it and then go yeah. and play the song? Yeah, you you, there, you really should have a more interactive, proactive relationship with this podcast and with your own life. Really, you know, you should really be uh, a little bit also more proactive in also your life. You also, you shouldn't be streaming music. You should be listening to records. Yeah, you shouldn't be listening to music. You should be. Um, uh, you, should <laughs> you should just be right. listening to the musician directly playing for you in the same room. Like you can't. Why, why are you? That's like when Todd Rundgren. That's like Todd Rundgren's argument. Like of uh, he was talking about. Uh, he was talking about. Um, I don't know if this is really unrelated, but he was talking about. Um, you know, the money from uh, it used to be a million dollar industry, uh, uh, the record industry. But now, you know, it's just it's the way it should be. It's the way it used to be. You have to go out and actually play for your money. You know, that's how it was in the Middle Ages before you had record. Call back to uh, the song <laughs> Minstrel Boy by Bob Dylan. Uh, the song is about 
singing for your supper, uh, playing as a minstrel boy, playing music for a crowd in the Middle Ages. See, uh, this is just sort of like what we do on this show is we will flip back and forth through time, through time and space, like it's nothing. And uh, thank you for that anecdote, but uh, it's it's... Now I'm looking at my space age watch, and it's it's about time we we fly up to the stars, uh, back to planet waves, uh, and talk about on a night like this, um, a very rollicking and uh, cozy number uh, about being with your baby in a little cabin in the woods, drinking coffee even though it's late at night because you're going to be up all night, having fun and kissing. Um, do you like this song? Yeah. I think it's a great song. <laughs> I think it's a great one. Cool. Um, Me too. <laughs> Ian, do you like it or you don't like it? No, I like it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> great. I just think this is a catchy song, uh, too, you know? Uh, um, yeah. Well, you know what? The singing is great on this album. Singing's great on this album. Hey, I heard one of the songs later on the album. I don't remember which one it was. I could probably find out. But I heard one of the songs. He's kind of doing the, um, our, like he's doing like a kind of a southern accent. Um, and it was kind of, a, it kind of felt like a throwback. A throwback to? To like his earlier voice. There was one song where he was doing like, something like a real like I, w- I can't remember i was just listening to it you mean his like prepare. folk singer voice like his yeah. um just for like he just like to pronounce like hard the and, hard, like, yeah so, or, it's that midwestern uh coal miner lilt that he had uh you doing like uh well it's crazy how his voice is just completely different i mean his his like young young voice is just totally different yeah it's it's a little bit of a he's trying to sound like an old man yeah and uh we've talked a lot on the show about the stages that his voices voices yeah the different voices and this record i think is notable i think really represents a turning point because it's during this period when bob really comes back to the voice of the 60s records but with a a bit more of a a gusto uh, of a kind of like manliness maybe it's more like ferocious like the like the when he first started playing rock you mean like he has that kind of voice again? yeah i mean after his sojourn into the country croon with um national skyline right. and so on new morning was kind of transitioning out of that and then here we yeah, are. Yeah, but it's still mellow. Yeah, with but with this period, which also includes the tour and the live record before the flood, which we'll talk about. Especially on that, you hear him going balls to the walls, taking the rock Dylan vocal as far as it goes. Um, which, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's still pretty mellow. It's a pretty mellow album, but yeah, he's like. He is pretty free, like pretty like free and like uh, less restricted. You know what what comes right before this? Right before this was Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. That record has "Knocking on Heaven's Door" mm-hmm. and then a bunch of instrumentals. Anyway, 
next song is uh, Going, Going, Gone. Oh, that's a good one. It is a good one. I'm just thinking about I'm letting it I'm letting it play in my head. What do you think, Ian? Uh, yeah, I, this is uh, you know it's a, it's a slower one uh, after on a night like this has gotten us off to a rollicking start. Uh, Bob slows it down on this second one. Um, yeah, uh, it, uh, I, I think this is a sort of a darker lyric than the first song and then some of the other ones on this. Uh, he he kind of goes back and forth with the hanging out good time. Uh, campfire vibe on some of these songs and then some darker, more personal, uh, detailed kind of stuff on some of the other songs. So this one, this is that heavier shit that uh, provides a counterbalance against the the way the album opens, which is, it's fun, but it, you know, it's kind of fluffy. It's really good. I just was thinking of the song again, when you guys, when you were talking, I was, <laughs> I had the song playing in my head to, uh, and then I heard it really again, and I realized that I know it really well, and I really like it. You know, before the the iPod, people just listened <laughs> to music, music in their brains. music in their heads. Yeah, that used to be a sign of being insane, but actually, it's um, <laughs> it's it is and always has been a sign of being very close to the music. Um, so this is why we wanted to have a musician on somebody who can. Just bring up, well, you bring up guys, the song in well, their you head. You guys got to explain to me. Uh, you guys have to explain to me the lyrics because I don't listen to Dylan for the lyrics. You don't listen to Dylan uh, for the lyrics. This guy doesn't listen to Dylan for the lyrics. <laughs> that was supposed to be a joke, but also, <laughs> but but like but, like I read Playboy for the uh, for the articles. For the, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> that stupid ass dusty joke. <laughs> Yeah, this song is about that he's actually going, he's going, and then he's gone. <laughs> it's about a disappearance. It's like Houdini. <laughs> yeah, this song's about a, a, the Invisible Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but this song, if we are to read into the lyrics, maybe think about what if he really means it? What if he really um, is singing from the heart? Uh, he says, I'm closing the book on the pages and the text, and I don't really care what happens next. I'm just going, I'm going, I'm gone. So this could mean that he, uh, it could be something that he was feeling about his place in his career at the moment, uh, or where he where he found himself before, that he doesn't care about the people who expect all of these things from him. We could read into it like that, but it might uh, not be that deep, as so to speak. This is the one with the sick uh, pinch harmonics uh, fucking... Uh, Guitar? Yeah, it's like when you hold your fingers on the thing, and um, it's a Robbie Robertson does it a lot. He goes like, I think this is the one with that, which is like... Right, right. You know, when, when you... When you play it and you mute it and you get the harmonic too so you get the mm -hmm. high high and the thing. low low and lou reed does a lot yeah uh, like it's something that lou reed does with the thing and it's just funny because he like you can tell like with, this is like i could do like hours on lou reed but with, with <laughs> please but with uh with uh bob dylan i'm so much i'm just such a noob but um you're but, you're gonna bring your lou insights into this in a way that is, is going to hopefully illuminate our Bob world. Well, maybe one of the things with the, 
Bob and Lou that you find in their guitar playing is when they know they know how to do one or two things and they're so excited about it, like they just learned it. You yeah. know what I mean? Or something like that, or like they they just they and they just do it constantly and they're like you know and they really feel re like real guitar players when they do it. That's one of the things that Lou does that Bob Dylan doesn't do, but but Bob Dylan has things that are like you can tell like he's learned and they're just like he's just like leaning on them and he just like you know i don't know there's something about that i mean but brian is more of an aficionado on the well he'll be on for another time but i'm glad you brought up lou um i, I just reminded me uh unrelated but the that quote from lou where he says like my religion like i have a religion but it's playing guitar that's cool the only thing you do to practice it is you play guitar um which is is funny because like yeah, he's like a pretty good guitar player, but he's not like well, a virtuoso. I, I mean, yeah. Well, I guess I I feel like uh, he kind of uh, thought of himself in terms that people thought of him like in the Velvet Underground, like way longer than that people thought of him that way. You know what I mean? So like, he was the lead guitarist then, right? And then and so like and people did and he was create so creative then, and like but I feel like it. I don't know. Like he's like a little bit. Little, thinks like people look at him more yeah yeah um when we do the lou cast he'll well when you do the lou thing i'm gonna like you're gonna the, be third mic yeah <laughs> I, I i i mean i just i have uh so much that i want to let out about that i can't so we shouldn't let's not talk about it at all yeah, all right we'll, we'll put lou back in his uh quick i need to think of a lou reed joke um, back in his Dracula coffin. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> we'll, we'll put Lou back on the dirty boulevard and uh, put Lou back Perfect. On, in in uh, in his his house, um, the house from <laughs> from uh, my from the song on the Blue Mask. I'm sorry. Um, the next song we have to go go and get gone to the next song, and it's Tough Mama. A song which is pretty funny. It's a, yeah, that's a good one. Some funny, uh, some funny lyrics on this one. Uh, <laughs> tough, tough mama, meat shaking on your bones. <laughs> yes, very weirdly horny that line. Um, there's a line in this where he says, "If I'm not mistaken, hotter than a crotch." Yep, hotter than a crotch. Yeah, you know what's funny that you bring that up because I was just looking up Bob Dylan's sex. On you just looked that up. Went on here. I looked up Bob Dylan's sex was the search because I wanted to find out if there were any sex stories. What did I search that with? I searched up Chico Mark sex stories recently. Shemp sex this, tape. <laughs> <laughs> it's on a 16 millimeter. Um, no, but I was looking up Bob Dylan because I wanted to know if there were any rumors or anything like that because there's a lot of lou reed stuff i mean not a lot well but there definitely is more yeah yeah but i don't know uh and what'd you find did is there anything i didn't find anything but but this song came up as a as a proof thing that he's like, had sex as proof that he's horny <laughs> right like or <laughs> proof like no, you know, I don't know. Like, it just, I was, I just kind of like. Well, this is a return to Horny Bob, something we actually discussed in depth on the Nashville Skyline episodes because that 
record oh, is, yeah. if nothing else, it's horny. And this yeah. this is sort of a a return to those themes. Yeah. <laughs> return to. Uh, I I mean meat shaking on the on her bone on her bones. Uh, Hotter than a crotch. What other lines we got in here? Interestingly, I'm looking at the, uh, you know, our, our favorite resource, oldbobdylan.com. Uh, doesn't actually have the verse that includes the line, hotter than a crotch, on that lyric page. That, that has been, that's been excised from bobdylan.com, but it is there if you go to Genius. Yeah, he leaves out certain things. That's strange. He leaves out things that he doesn't want to be in there. You know, that's the opposite of... Um, you know, I have this the Scott Walker book of lyrics that came out like a, a year before his death. And um, the song Duchess, there's actually a line that's different in the lyric book than on the song where he says like, and the look of loss as you come. It's, and in the song, he says, as you're coming across. So apparently this is the, this is the opposite where... Well, that's where he wanted to make that. He wanted to show you what he meant with his poetry. In in post, he's saying, I actually was horny in this song, uh, just to be clear. So this is the opposite. Bob's actually... Um, Shame. Yeah, no, but if you record the way that he does in that frivolous um, sort of uh, devil-may-care... That's right. Sort of way that he that that he approaches the recording process then he probably has several lyrics that he just wants to change after mm-hmm. they're already done i mean like he probably does that i mean he does that all the way probably up to the recording and then after in Why the studio after? yeah i mean there's I mean, there there's are many, examples of that yeah. happening yeah all throughout the career there's even examples of that you know when they do the songs live they change the lyrics you know a lot of a lot of people do that so. yeah um, another great lyric change uh, that I witnessed I- IRL was when I saw Brian Wilson at the Hollywood Bowl in, uh, in the song Love and Mercy. Uh, it was the lyric, um, a lot of people out there hurting and it really scares me. Um, he changed it. It was it was right around, I think, maybe the time of that the big shooting in, in Vegas. One of these shootings, who can keep track? And he said, a lot of people out there getting shot, and it really scares me. <laughs> and everybody cheered. Brian's got his finger on the pulse of, uh, you know, political That's, controversy. It was Crazy. honestly, it was so touching, honestly. It was like the most adorable, uh, heartbreaking thing. I, I love, I, uh, every time I've seen Brian Wilson, I've loved it. Well, you, you had an interaction with Brian Wilson, virtually. Yes. Have I had a real interaction with him? I don't... I mean, I've been in the same room as him, I think, for sure. But I had a video. Yeah, I had a video that my friend Darren, who... um, And I don't know where the video is. It's a shame, because it's a really important video. But it's... uh, I think it's Al Jardine and Brian Wilson is sitting, and Al Jardine is here, and then my friend Darren is here. And he goes... um, Al Jardine goes, Hello, Lemon Twigs! And then Brian Wilson grabs the uh, phone and brings it up to his face and says, let me see that. And it turns off. And it turns off. <laughs> it turns off. But, you know, 
I got to meet Al Jardine and I got to meet uh, a few of the other people. I got to meet Blondie Chaplin, but most of the other people in the band aren't like old, old Beach Boys. But Bruce Johnston, I was in the same room as him. He was one. Of, he was like the replacement for Brian. Ah, Bruce Johnston, yes. You have a quite the body count of of like the I do. old school rock uh, engagements. You've just got to get Bob before before you die, really. Because <laughs> <laughs> he won't. No, I can't acknowledge that possibility. Right, right, right. He's on the level. Because he's on the level. I don't have a super super uh, high uh, body count of those people. You, but, you've talked to them all. Um, but I have a good amount. Uh, yeah, I've got a good body count. What a way to say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm sorry. My, my brain's in the horny uh, mindset because of that song, which just cast a spell on me. Um, but wow. let's see if we can shake that with the next song. Uh-oh. No, we can't because it's a love song. It's called Hazel. Was that that a, was foreplay, you know, that other song. Yeah, yeah. This That other this, song was foreplay, and this is the relationship. Yeah, this is the relationship. That's a great way to put it. Um, this is and a great song. It is a great song, um, and it begins... This might be the best song, actually. It might be the best song on the record. Um, it definitely has a very cohesive feel, uh, this song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's another good one. I love the little, um, I don't know what you call it. Uh, this is where my lack of actual musical uh, recording knowledge it fails me. But uh, that little just guitar riff that uh, Robbie Robertson has uh, that like, yeah, 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 that's great. Maybe this is the one with more of the pinch harmonics. I think it might be. Um... But they, they, I mean, he does it all the time in general in his playing. Right, and I, we should talk more a, a bit about the fact that the this is another, this is the only record, right? The only record that is a studio album with the band as the band. Right, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess if you're, yeah, if you're calling it, or if you're counting it as studio records. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Basement tapes, yeah. Basement tapes is simply the basement right. tapes. It's not a. Uh, it's not the basement studio album. Is Blonde on Blonde not with half of the band and but just not Leave on Helm? I think some of them were playing in the studio with him at that point, but they were because yeah. I mean, I guess he toured. Yeah, he toured with them when they were called the Hawks in '66. Well, he toured with them. He toured with them when they were called the Hawks, but he was. But Levon Helm left. Is it Levon Helm or Levon? I think it's Levon Helm. Levon, just leave it on. <laughs> but but he he left he left because of the pressures or whatever. I just watched the this the band thing. Which band? Robbie thing? Robertson thing. Just some some one of these documentaries. I. It, it, it was like there's a new Robbie Robertson one. It wasn't great, but but uh, no. But there's a good band documentary. But well, I watched the Last Waltz recently, which was pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. Last Waltz is awesome. Yeah, Bob looks like ridiculous in it. That beard and like big floppy hat. He looks hat. so crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. Such a such he a weird so look. Good. And what year was that? That was like the late. It was '78. 78, probably like street hassle 
a street hassle, fucking street legal. Street, yeah, Bob Dylan's street hassle. They're around street hassle, though. I'm on lo- loo mode. Um, yeah, so that's that's we have a little ways to go before Bob has a beard, like and the like the beard, drug, rug, floppy hat. Yeah, type that's of such style. a funny look, isn't it? It's so cool. I mean, it's it's like I don't know. I I I, I thought it was awesome, but. Uh, it looks like he's wearing a disguise. Yeah, um, it does. You're you are a bit of a, a fashion icon, Michael. And do you have any other favorite looks, uh, Dylan looks that you want to talk about? Because I feel like well, while, I like here, when he is. I like when he is like looks like Keith Richards in the eighties. Like there's a period right. where he like starts to look like Keith Richards and start to like tan and like dress himself like yeah and, and it, with the vest and the more pirating as he, a lot of earrings and like yeah. the, a lot of shirts that are buttoned like almost not at all like the last button just yeah, like yeah. De- like a deep deep plunging V <laughs> and it yeah even there's a couple times during the eighties like the late eighties where it kind of looks like he's getting highlights in his hair or something. Yeah, you know, definitely. It was really weird. There's no, there's no doubt about it. It does not look great on him, but, uh, it's definitely a look. Um, I appreciate that you, uh, like that look cause somebody's got to, uh, the next song is perhaps it's worse. We might still be talking about Hazel. You never know because yeah, we well, go straight Hazel- from Hazel to, Something there is about you. Hazel, I keep getting confused with going, going, gone in my head. Uh, they are pretty kind of similar. <laughs> Something there is about you. Well, another possible thing to get confused with Hazel and going, going, gone. Yeah, he's got a certain type of ballad that he's doing here. Yeah. I wonder if Hazel is about his wife. Um, you know, I, I kind of wonder, say you're married and you put a song on your record that's like, that's a love song that's not ostensibly toward your wife. What does she think of that? That's a good question. Damn. (laughs) Things didn't turn out well with this marriage. So maybe Hazel was not about his wife. I don't want to speculate, but, um, that's an interesting uh, point. I was just really quick that there's a song, um, my Diane, a beach boy song, which is about his, his, wife's sister oh my god her name is diane the fuck and it's just clearly about that and it's just like it's just uh i just thought that was funny because it related to what you said yeah that is funny and that sounds like uh it might have gotten him in some hot water um i'm just imagining bob like he comes home after uh, a night at the studio and his wife's like who's this who's this song about who's hazel and he's like it's about you (laughs) It's, come on, it's about you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And then he had to rush into the studio in the early morning hours to record something there is about you, in parentheses, my wife. Uh, <laughs> my wife, specifically. Specifically, my wife. Yeah. Um, so this is a, a nice song uh, where we're talking about my wife. Um, and, uh, it's a nice ballad. Um, yeah, I'm listening to it in my head. A song that has 
I think a bit more of a personal touch. Um, we've got Bob actually talking about uh, Minnesota a little bit. Uh, he says something about the phantoms of his youth, uh, rainy days on the Great Lakes, walking the hills of old Duluth. Um, Damn, that's a crazy explicit reference. Um, yeah, it's explicit to to the Minnesota content. Um, is it the way your body moves or the way that your hair blows? Or because you remind me of something that used to be, something that crossed over from an, another century. Blows free century. That's the rhyme there. Um, anything you guys want to say about this one besides the fact that it's uh, very loyal to his wife? Yeah, it's a, it's a good... Uh, it's good. This, this is... When I think of... Uh, Torch ballads. When I think of when I think of the term torch ballad, this is this is the torch ballad that I'm thinking of. Yeah, it does have that. What is what is the the origin of the torch ballad or the torch song as a as a f- phrase, a term of art? Well, it goes all the way back to ogres. To to <laughs> ogres, is that what you said? <laughs> Well, it goes, goes back to what? Is, <laughs> goes all the way back to ogres. Music that soothes the savage beast. <laughs> With my wife, the savage beast. <laughs> yes, to soothe the, the old ball and chain, the old savage <laughs> beast. Uh, the next song is a song that's called Forever Young. It's extremely popular. Um, this is one of the top Bob Dylan songs, and probably... Now we have two... We got two of them. It's so good that they played it twice. Um, And this song uh, appears on uh, a lot of bar mitzvah montage and uh, and anniversary and wedding type of videos. The Uh, album gets, you know, I don't really. You don't like it after (laughs) the halfway mark. I mean, I like it, but. This two forever youngs is a pretty like. It's in a point where you might you're probably gonna you might skip the second one. Yeah, the, it's funny because I feel like this record, and for this whole period of Bob Dylan in the early to mid seventies now, is very much dogged by this weird habit of Bob including cover after cover, or if not cover after cover than like repeating tracks seemingly not wanting to do just an album start to finish of original material that just has no repeats um new morning managed that barely maybe he doesn't want the attention of an incredible top to bottom top to bottom you know incredible album that would be the flattering uh way (laughs) to view it yeah yeah, um, but do you like the song itself? What What do you think of Forever Young? I like it. Um, I think it's pretty. I I agree, and I I actually think that I I was just reading a bit more of Chronicles, uh, Bob Dylan's book, uh, and got to the passage in the middle where he's really talking about being like busted creatively and um it's pretty harrowing how he describes this lack of inspiration and um 
I feel like then listening to this song, um, it it makes sense that he's played it so many times because it really has a lot of staying power. I feel like it's a song that becomes more significant when you've got some real shit happening in your life. Yeah, it's a it's a very uh, simple song, but it has staying power power through the years. It was played last November twenty first, twenty eleven. And it's been played 493 times. Heavily, heavily played. Do you guys prefer yeah. the slow version or the fast version? S- slow. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I think they could have skipped the fast one. But the slow version puts it in the same, like, mode as those other ballads. Like, there's just really a groove that they do the same kind of thing. Yeah. With the same instrumentation and everything on... on all those ballads on this record. Definitely a torch ballad. Usually the term is torch song, right? It's funny that on the record, it's mm-hmm. the cover, it says torch ballads and cast iron songs. But the next song, I think, is very much a cast iron song. Uh, it's pretty dark uh, lyrically. Uh, the next song is... Dirge, and that's that's kind of a fitting title because the song seems to me to be about a pretty bad relationship. There's a good line on this song. Uh, In this age of fiberglass, I'm searching for a gym. I always love that one. Yeah, that feels true today. There's so much fiberglass. <laughs> that line uh, reminds me of the Warren Zevon concept album about society. Do you know is the that, one I'm talking about? Is that uh, Tr- Transverse City? City? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With uh, that crazy fucking cover. Yeah. Jeez. It's a crazy album. Um, yeah. Full, like an album entirely made up of lyrics like that. <laughs> There's like a song. It's just like, I will upload you. You can download me. That's cool. To be honest. Yeah, so Bob Dylan's kind of running with a similar, uh, he's presaging that um, techno-robot type of uh, love song or anti-love song with this one here with his fiberglass. Brian was on a cool trip with the, he was doing like a whole, that kind of thing, but like really uh, like positive angle, like this like, uh, like a, he was doing this thing called Digi Boy that was like Digi Boy thing. It was like yeah, yeah, and he would he had like a Twitter and all this stuff, and it was like uh, I don't know, I it, I don't know, I, I I can't describe it well. You should. I'll you should have to ask it Brian it about really it. That's that sounds interesting to me. Um, he was like playing the song it really I, well. It was like 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 Trans, the album by um, Neil Young. Yeah, the, with, no, which no, features no. all those songs with the vocoder robot voice. Um, There's a uh, ELO album that's like a time that's called Time or whatever. It's about time travel, but it's also got that whole uh, kind of dystopian uh, 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 thing. Joe Walsh had a thing that Analog Man. That's like I'm an Analog Man in a digital world. <laughs> wow, how many of these fucking me. things are there? Yeah, because they it's so easy to create. Uh, like plays on words and stuff like with yeah. digital, you know, that's, it's so charming in a way to, to see like 
you know, storied rock uh, artists when when the internet was uh, in its infancy, <laughs> they were they were looking at it and they're like, you know, this is like a relationship. They're going <laughs> I could write a song about hmm. it, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I guess this is we're we're going off on a tangent. We could do a whole episode just about like dystopian rock operas, uh, but in this song, <laughs> all he says is fiber in a world of fiber. <laughs> Uh, um, so maybe I'm, I just, I'm just eager to talk about transverse city. Who can blame me? I will upload you. You can download me. Um, there are more lines in this song that, uh, I, I suppose we should mention it. This song is just very bitter. Like a slave in orbit. He's beaten till he's tame. Uh, all for a moment's glory, and it's a dirty, rotten shame. The crystal ball up on the wall has shown me nothing yet. I've paid the price of solitude, but at last I'm out of debt. Yeah, this really, I do see how somebody could see this as, like, a a more embittered sequel to uh, Positively Fourth Street, if it's possible to be even more embittered than that song. I think this might pull it off. (laughs) <laughs> so so sing your praise of progress and of the doom machine the naked truth is still taboo whenever it can be seen lady luck who shines on me will you tell me where i'm at i hate myself for loving you but i should get over that that's how it ends <laughs> that's great he's not it's, he's not it, happy that last it's great <laughs> i should get over that yeah good for you king stay strong uh, sounds like he was really going through it. And again, a song that I don't know how you explain to your wife. That's a good point. Maybe it's about someone uh, older. It's not about you. This one is not about you, I promise. You got a good Dylan voice going today. <laughs> again, thank you. That he, again, he, he compensates by writing <laughs> You Angel You is the next song. She's like, is this about me? Is this song about me? And he's like, no. <laughs> goes back to the studio, writes "You Angel, You," um, and uh, this song is—is uh, is this a torch ballad or a cast iron song? Torch ballad. There's only two kinds of songs on this thing. <laughs> which which one? Because it's got to be one or the other. Well, that's what the cover says. So, um, you like this song, Ian? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's all right. It, it's not my uh, my favorite in terms of the sort of saccharine love uh, love songs that he's got going on this record. Um, it's not bad uh, by any means, but we're starting to um, starting to run out of steam a little bit towards the end of this record, at least until the last song, which uh, I think is interesting. Yeah, um, you really love the. You seem to really like and respond to the sweet sappy love songs but this one doesn't have that country flavor is that sort of what you don't like about it that it's kind of it's secular country wise yeah yeah uh i don't know there's just something about the whole nashville skyline vibe i think that um that i i really dig that is lacking on this record that's a little more just sort of straightforward and um um, less, uh, it's less of a put on, like we were talking about in the rough and rowdy ways, uh, mm. episode, you know, he's not like adopting a, adopting a role or, 
uh, putting on a pose or anything here. Um, but it's, I don't know, it, it, uh, it, it gets old fast or faster uh, than something like Nashville Skyline for me. Yeah. The way you smile like a sweet baby child. That's, a, that's one lyric. Uh, if this is love, then give me more and more and more and more. Um, yeah, it's pretty syrupy. Yeah, it kind of sounds like, um, you know, like those early McCartney solo records, uh, like Ram or something. Um, yeah, they're just ha- like real, happy, real syrupy. Happy married man. Yeah, wedded marital bliss kind of stuff, which is, you know, it's, it's fine for a record or two, but it can only take you so far. Right. You've got to have some trauma in there. Um, and, you know, I think this record has just enough to balance it out. Uh, yeah. the, the sour and the sweet. The record is pretty uh, samey. Yeah, uh, it is a little samey. I don't mind that though. I, I really don't mind that. You know, I mean, I, 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 uh, I don't. I never. I can never say I dislike anything because I don't know if I'm gonna start to have a burning passion for it. That's a, a good way to uh, to to go through life, I think. Um, which is why we use on this show the three star system um when you rate something on this show about how much you like it or not you don't go one to ten you don't go one to five this is three stars so right because because one essentially means one means still pretty good you know like three out of ten or something like that well it means one out of three so yeah uh, but one third but but, you know you know fractions it means one third so, you know, it means three, one third of something that's still, a, if you have a little piece of, that's a good portion. Yeah. Yeah. If you have a pizza and you eat one third of it, uh, you liked one third of it pretty good still. So yeah. at least that's the way that I view the three stars. So, you know, there's a little bit of a buffer, a little bit of a cushion. Um, you don't have to be, you don't have to feel yeah, so like committal it. about it, but, uh, the next song, never say goodbye. Uh, Again, uh, uh, kind of similar to what we've had before. If you like that stuff, you'll probably like this one. Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, you know, this is, it is, it is what it is. Could have been, could have, probably could have been left on the, uh, the cutting room floor. Oh, baby, 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 blue. You'll change your last name too. You've turned your hair to brown. Love to see it hanging down. Um, baby, 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 blue. Is this a return of baby <laughs> blue? <laughs> this is, is this baby blue too? Uh, probably not. Um, you're beautiful beyond words. You're beautiful to me. <laughs> you can make me cry. Never say goodbye. Um, this song has been played zero times. I like this song. I think it's nice. Yeah. The crashing waves roll over me as I stand up on the sand, wait for you to come and grab hold of my hand. Yeah, it's very innocent. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's all I got. It is mellow. It's mellow. It is. We're almost at the very end. Even though he says never say goodbye, 
we're about to say goodbye because the last song, <laughs> number 11, is Wedding Song. Um, and classic structure. That's classic. That, that's sequencing for you. Ian, you said you, you thought this was an interesting closer. Why? Yeah. Yeah, well, it it, uh, it sort of stands in stark contrast to a lot of what's come before, I think, because it's just Bob and his guitar, really. It's it's sort of just acoustic accompaniment, like uh, going back to another side of Bob, uh, you know, that kind of vibe. Um, and it's a very, it seems very personal and, and uh, interrogative, like he's, you know, really kind of, like he's got a lot to say uh, in this song versus some of those other kind of syrupy ballads that, are uh, you know aren't, aren't bad necessarily, but they they they're sort of surface level, and this this seems like there's a lot more a lot more beneath the surface that requires uh, requires some thinking about and uh, some some repeated playbacks. Yeah, um, and it's it's just an interesting way to end the record. Definitely on sort of a I don't know about a downer note necessarily. It's not not a downer song, but it's uh, it's sober. just a curious way to yeah sober sure a, a sober way to end a record that begins with such a rollicking good time, like uh, on a night like this. <laughs> I yeah. feel like the big theme of this episode talking about this record has been wife. <laughs> this is the wife record. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Bob Dylan's wife album. And uh, we're ending with a real wife pleaser with wedding song. Um, it's really cute. It's song. I think it's cute. It's, it's profound. Um, Lines like, I love you more than madness, more than waves upon the sea. Ever since you've walked right in, the circle's been complete. Uh, it's funny reading the lyrics on BobDylan.com. Um, it seems like you could take these lyrics and, uh, and put them right into Shelter from the Storm. I believe they have the same rhyme scheme. Could be, yeah. I I can't say I'm good at recognizing rhyme schemes, but it uh, it's got the same kind of idea. I love you more uh, than ever, more than time, and more than love. I love you more than money, and more than the stars above. Love you more than madness, more than waves upon the sea. Love you more than life itself. You mean that much to me. Damn, man, you're exactly right. So that's interesting. Um, of course, the record after this, the next studio album, is... But on the tracks, but on the tracks. Um, but what what else do you think about this this one this joint? There's a, there's an interesting lyric or one of the ones that sticks out to me here. Uh, you know, it, it sort of he's he's being explicit about some of what he talked about, like in Chronicles, uh, where we were talking about his problems that he was facing, you know, around the new era morning when he was just mm. kind of pissed with everyone uh, expecting so much out of him. He's He's got the, these couple lines here. It's never been my duty to remake the world at large. Oh, nor yeah, is it my, mm. yeah. Nor is it my intention to sound a battle charge because I love you more than all of that with a love that doesn't bend. And if there is eternity, I'd love you there again. Uh, you know? Very he's, sweet. He's, uh, he's not interested in being... Big Mister uh, uh, has a lot to say. He just wants to wants to have a wife. Yeah. He he doesn't want to be Mister Counterculture. 
You turn the tide on me each day and teach my eyes to see. Just being next to you is a natural thing for me. And I could never let you go no matter what goes on. Because I love you more than ever now that the past is gone. Um, beautiful. And this was uh, to Sarah Dillon, who he married in 1965. So someone who is with him all through the meteoric rise and up until this point, um, it's kind of, she's really at the, the heart of the Bob Dylan personal life story. And, uh, during this period of the records we've covered so far, and that absolutely shows, uh, especially on this record and even on, well, especially on, on, blood on the tracks and on um desire even where she has a, her own song sarah uh so not to mention that she's literally uh who sad-eyed lady of the lowlands is written about uh that's like the most romantic thing i've ever heard well uh on that note should we assign our three star ratings to planet waves yeah um, Michael. Two stars. <laughs> safe choice. Yeah. Is it safe? I don't really even care. <laughs> yeah, I think it's cute. Yeah, yeah, no, I... It's, I have a it, good... Uh, that's good. You know, uh, relationship with it. Yeah, relationship. Good, Good word. For this. I'm gonna agree with Michael. I think it's I think it's a solid two star. Um, I, uh, you know, I I think I have to agree too. I I was on the fence, but there's no half stars in this, and I have to give it a two. Um, the, have you given any one star? You gave. Uh, we both gave New Morning one star. We gave New Morning one star Damn. actually. Um, and and I almost New Morning gave, might be better than Planet Waves. I don't know. Um, to me, New Morning, while I maybe find it actually more memorable than Planet Waves, I think that this record just kind of has a, like, it has a maturity to it that I think is, it, it sets it apart somehow, um, I, I did almost give Nashville Skyline one star and I reconsidered because it's uh, too sweet and cute uh, to... I can't give it one star. Come on. You can't give his best record one star. <laughs> well, it's not that. That's just what I think about, like, all the records is that they're cute because of the history of them. Like, I couldn't give any Lou... I, all Lou Reed records would be three stars for me. All of them? Everyone, you know, Maybe not Miss Trial. Miss Trial is a is a two. Star. <laughs> yeah, uh, Miss Trial is a two star. Um, yeah, I, I when it comes to Lou, I mean, yeah, I have to agree. You know, I was really rethinking about it uh, recently. I, I thought if anyone in this world gives uh, gives the Raven any less than three stars. That's a that's a real bullshit artist. And somebody who would give I would give Lulu three stars. Yeah. I think it's a creative triumph. It's a creative triumph. I feel like that's 
Yes. Isn't that all? I just don't really see why people need it to, to be something that they want to listen to all the time. People needed to hate <laughs> that record. <laughs> but why do people also think that an album has to be something that you got that you want to listen to all the time? That's a great point. Like an album can just be a an album can just be a painting. You know what I mean? Like on record. Yeah, I mean like things. Uh, songs can be some you know something that you want to listen to all the time if you want. Like one song you might love, you know, and you want to listen to it over and over again. But why does a? I mean that's a lot for like a whole album. I mean. It's not a lot, like, you can do it, but, I mean, it, it's rare. It's not really what you, it's not really what maybe everybody's going for, for you to want to listen to it over and over and over again. It's like a meal. A meal, yeah. You don't eat gumbo every day, you know? No, gumbo yeah. every day would be, uh, a, would be a misery. <laughs> you know, I, I, I love gumbo. Um, if this was, record was a food... What would it be, and how often would you want to eat it? Pancakes. <laughs> that's not bad. That's, not that's bad. a totally different yeah. angle than I was thinking about, but pancakes. I was thinking of the gray of the cover, and I was thinking of oysters, even though it's not ah, oysters. That's it's interesting. It's not oysters. Because no, I would eat oysters every day if same. I could eat oysters. I, oysters are a staple. Uh, if I could have oysters all the time, I would. But um, I see what you mean. My my initial thought was uh, corn dog. Yeah. yeah corn okay. Dog. Yeah. yeah. Say corn dog. You never. You don't want to eat that every day at all. You don't even want to eat it every month. No, but once in a while, that's great. Uh, so my review of this album is corn dog. Uh, Michael's is oyster, and Ian's is uh, pancakes. Pancakes. Um, so now it's your turn, dear listener, to listen to this album and think about which food it is. I think that the album is like potato, like just like home fries, just home fries. Like not, it's not like a ama- like, I don't think yeah. it's as good as pancakes. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe no. that's true. You know, you know, the real corn dog album I think would be new morning actually, because I don't love the outside part. It's okay, but I love the man in me and the man in me, the 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 dog, the hot dog, the <laughs> meat inside in the, the corn. Corn dog is what you love. That's yeah. that's right. Inside the cornbread breading. Um, well, that's that's all. Uh, uh, one more thought I had. One more thought I had was, I I really, <laughs> I was making myself laugh earlier, imagining what a self-titled track on this record would be like if there was a song called planet waves <laughs> and what that would be about planet waves. Uh, you're making me miss that. The, I wish that existed. I, is it about Neptune? Is it, is it, is it about the moon moon glow like on the cover? Um, it's like, Bob Dylan was playing a theremin and he's like, on this planet of way. <laughs> I don't know. Well, thanks for listening to this episode. And Michael, thank you for being on. Thank you, Michael. When does your record come out, Michael? When, when does songs for the general public drop? I don't know. Is it, it's in August it's up in the air kind of. No, it's, it has a date. I just don't know what it is. All right. Well, Keep an eye out for your own record, Michael. And um, also, <laughs> to the listener, uh, 
watch watch those charts because you're about to see a lot of lemon twigs up on it. Um, they're uh, wow. they're the best uh, they're the best band currently living. The best group, I should say. Mm-hmm. 